0: But yeah, it's, it's this kind of way that when you look at a frame, it should look like a painting to me. Like the way I see, like there are certain shots that should just look like a picture. It should look like a painting. You know, it's art. And it kind of, none of that came to me before film school, which is weird, right? You yeah. know, the way I feel about it, you'd think I'd have this life long session, but. <laughs> You're
1: listening to An Actor and a Mic, a podcast focused on the often tumultuous but spectacular journeys of Australian artists. In episode eight, I speak with a friend of mine, Scott Hazel. Scott is an aspiring cinematographer and a mature student here at USQ. In this episode, we speak about the state of Australia's film industry and the argument that Netflix is killing our industry. I ask Scott why he thinks producing films is so expensive and he answers that, so thank you for that, Scott. <laughs> and also what he thinks the necessities of shooting your first feature film are. It was lovely to sit down with Scott and learn about a lot of the things that happened behind the scenes. It was definitely handy to know. Okay, now you know what you're in for. Go and enjoy the interview. Okay, so welcome to episode eight of An Actor and a Mic. Uh, my name's Griffin Walsh. And today I'm joined by Scott Hazel. Uh, he's an aspiring cinematographer who is studying his final year at university. Um, how are you on this fine Monday? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, obviously Phil like recording this during um, COVID time. So yeah, we've got to bit... keep our distance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. Actually, we are probably about yeah, 1.5 metres apart. That's about 1.5. That's good. Minutes. Yeah, uh, we're, not, we're definitely not doing this in person. We would never not, ever do of, that. Of course not. no, not. no. 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 <laughs> Um, so yeah, this podcast is mainly about people's people's journeys, artists specifically. It's trying to tap into uh, why people go into arts, why people are mm-hmm. hesitant about going into arts, if university feels necessary for those who haven't done university. So I kind of want to talk about, like, let's start back at, I don't know, school, I guess. Did you always have an
0: idea of wanting to become an artist Man. or school? Okay, <laughs> um, so... Throughout school, I never really focused. Like, I lived out on a farm, like, 15Ks out of town. And it was, like, I never really got to interact with a lot of people on the weekends. So, it was, like, just farm work. And then when I got to school, I used that more of my playtime. So, I never focused at school. (laughs) Um, And I just kind of just hung out. um, Yeah. Which kind of sucked. But because, like, my grades obviously dropped. And I was Hmm. averaging, like, Cs through everything. Oh yeah. She so um, passed. That's all right. Yeah, I passed. She's got degrees. Whereabouts <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. Whereabouts did you did you live?
0: Uh so I lived in Bundaberg. Oh yeah. Yeah. A bit north. Yeah. Mm. A little bit of it. it was like six hours or something like that. Yeah, just a casual drive. <laughs> <laughs> um and I ended up dropping out in grade ten. So it was almost it was almost like grade eleven and then I was like, Yeah, no I'm out and I can't exactly remember why I wanted to do that. I just know that I wasn't really progressing. Like what like I sh- thought I should be. Oh, okay. Um, so I ended up getting an apprenticeship doing body piercing, and that was that was great because like for me it was really aesthetically pleasing being able to help someone sort of create and become who they want to be through piercings. So do, do you consider that kind of an art? Oh yeah, definitely. That's definitely. Cool. Um, obviously, in the right hands. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, it can get a little kind of just haphazard. Yeah. Yeah. I've met some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Um. And then from there, it was kind of like I went hairdressing and oh yeah, um, I studied a uh, certificate three in blood and sample collection, oh. uh, which is phlebotomy. So, Jesus. Um, did a little stint with QML. Yeah, the retail. And I kind of just worked from there until at, really up until I started studying at USQ.
1: Oh, okay. So, there was, so you just kind of just did a bunch of different jobs.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just figuring
1: out where you sit well, in life. Well, that,
0: that's like, the thing is like I. Didn't know what I wanted to do at all. Like yep. it's it's one of those things where they tell you what you should be, but none of thing sort of fits mm. when you try and do that. Yeah. So you know, I worked retail. I was an assistant manager. I moved to Brisbane. I was an assistant manager for the continuing chain. Then I d- decided to go and do car detailing. That didn't work. Car
1: detailing. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I've literally, literally just I've, everything. I've got some injuries from there. Um, oh, really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So acid. Hyd- like, hydrofluoric acid oh god dangerous stuff yeah um oh. yeah ed a few times <laughs> yeah yeah right um and then you know i went into the medical field and i loved the medical field um, Oh okay like absolutely love the medical field so when i actually came to usq i actually started studying biomedical sciences okay all right yeah so i was about six months into that, and I realized my brain is not up to the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is too much.
0: Yeah. We're talking like seven thirty, eight thirty starts until 6 p.m. finishes five days a week. Yeah, right. Um, and even though I'd worked jobs where I'd worked 12, 14-hour shifts, it was... studying for that long was crazy hectic. Yeah. I feel like once
1: you hit like the eight-hour mark, you sort of just, your brain is like, yeah, nah, yeah I'm taking just turns <laughs> Yeah, just an march. Yeah. Well, that's bad for that, but yeah, that's, and then, so you, when, when did you come to, to university? When was,
0: uh, oh my God, roughly <laughs> a couple of years ago, I'm in my third year now, so it'd be two years ago. So okay. Right. 18, 2018. 2018. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be around, I think I started u- like uni at, in 2017 doing biomed, yeah. second semester. And then, uh, no, actually it was first semester. Okay. And then I gave it a break and then started, um, decided film.
1: So, you took six months off from biomed and you decided, Yeah.
0: why? (laughs) Well, see, I found growing up, I was always told, you know, you've got to be a minor like your father. You've got to be, um, you know, you've got to be in doing just casual work or you've got to be in the medical field like your mother. And like, don't get me wrong, Asian... Parents like Asian mothers in particular always like you have to be a doctor. You have to be, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's stereotypical and it's there for it a reason. True. Okay, I, um, see, I see. Yeah, so yeah. it was always those things that I tried to work in and tried to sort of move into, and just wasn't wasn't there for me. Just didn't fit. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. I worked two years as a medical assistant and a chaperone. Yeah, and it was great. I loved it. Like okay. I loved all the doctors. They're all young doctors. Nice. And you know, it, we'd be working from like. 5 p.m. till 7 a.m. just driving to people's houses and giving them me- medical advice or doing yep. minor not minor prefo- like, uh, procedures on them. Yeah. So, it was great fun. Yeah. Great fun, but you know, it just wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah, so you, you decided film like did you was there always a part of you that went, "Ah, oh, film would be cool," or did you just choose it because you were like film sounds cool? So <laughs> Is it just another stepping stone kind of thing you think or
0: I don't think so. Um, like I've, I've invested way too much of myself into it. Yeah, for it to be a stepping stone. So, like that's cool. Back in let's say 2009, um, my one of my best friends was doing like a film subject for school, and she's like, "Oh, I need, I need someone to to be in it and someone to film it and stuff like that." And I was like, "Oh, I'll try." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong; it was awkward. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. But like. I think it, it, that for me that kind of comes down to like years of like having to do public performances not by choice and then being but laughed at or humiliated um, awesome. and I'm sure like people going into first year acting would feel somewhat similar yeah um, because it's kind of like that, that you get this awkward sort of transfer from from high school into university where high school you get laughed at sometimes if you mm. stuff up doing a public speech or yeah. performance Where uni, you get applauded for the art that you're creating.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and I think for like first year actors, I think in high school, you can either be um, laughed at for doing, for taking it seriously almost.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, so as,
1: like, when I was doing drama in school, I think the people that would get the most um, notoriety would be those that were class clowns and would get up there and just be boisterous and hilarious and that was that was acting and that got you good marks but when you go into university that stuff does not stand yeah the ballpark changes so i guess um what was that like for you going into film first year so
0: it was really interesting because of the skills like the skill set that i like acquired over the years like from high school so like we're talking like two thousand. I think it was like 2009 when I should have graduated. Okay, yeah. So, from like, I think like 2007 or something like that, that I quit, I never really had confidence.
1: Oh, okay. At all.
0: Like, I was repressed and inside myself and I never had the confidence to do anything. So, it took me from then, like, almost a decade to actually build my confidence back up to become the person who I am today. Jeez, dude. Which, like... That's a crazy journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, there were wrong, ups and downs through that whole journey. But I think that journey... And like being a mature age student coming into first year, um, changed the way I looked at study and changed the way I worked towards assessment pieces. Mm. Um, especially because like film, about ninety percent of it is group work. Yeah, of and course. like it's it's so tough when you go and to do group work, and there's always one person who's like, "No, I don't want to do that." Like, but it's like, wh-
1: why? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask you about that—the difference. Do you feel there is a massive difference being a mature age student to a student that just comes from, straight from high school
0: to uni? I definitely think there is, because like when when I see it, like going into film, like my sister is technically a third year now, going almost going into a fourth year. Okay. Um, in film as well. Yeah. So oh, cool. she's like got some classes with me, which yeah. don't get me wrong, helps dramatically, but also like you see the maturity levels that differ between first, like between high school students and mature age students. Mm. So like my sister's four years older than me. So she's what? 31? Okay. 31? Yep. I could do the math. I can't remember how old I am. (laughs) 27. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) She's 31. (laughs) Um, Uh. And like... Seeing how she, like, does paperwork and progresses through the assessment pieces mm. compared to someone who doesn't have any life experience and just thinks, oh, film, it's an art class, it's a bludge, I'll just do that for the bachelor's degree. Potentially, yeah. And, you know, we started off with 27 students. Um, in third year, we have eight Jeez, yeah, dropped off hard, didn't it? Yeah, dropped off massively. Where
1: were most of those drop-offs? Was they second year?
0: Or? Yeah, I'd say about mid middle of second year. So similar to our degree, actually. Yeah, yeah. So That's like first year is very simple. You know, you go through the basics of what is film, television, radio. Um, you know, very very simple stuff. Yeah. Um, and then second semester, you kind of go into okay. Well, we're going to make short form pieces, three minute pieces. Hmm. You know, you get given a script and you get yeah, given you know the skills to use a camera and basic lighting, and then you go and film that, and then yep. you get assessed on that. Super simple. Yeah. Start of second year, you go straight into documentary.
1: So it steps up the game.
0: Yeah. So you go from filming, you know, like a, a three-minute chase scene into you know a fifteen-minute documentary. Yeah. And people kind of crack under the pressure. It's like, how do you how do you do a documentary? Like we, a lot of people don't read the course material. Oh, right. Or don't attend. So then, when they rock up to to set, and they're like, "Oh, what am I?" And you're like, "Well, you're not in the like, crew." It's like, what? Are <laughs> like, you, what? <laughs> yeah, like.
1: Yeah, so it probably comes from a place of like being a mature age student. You probably
0: want it more. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like through these that the, that decade, I was decade, I was talking to you about. Mm. I had been trying to study, yeah, the whole time. All oh, right, it was works or study. Yeah. That's the thing is, you know, I would start to study and I would be supported by my mo- my mother. and that, that was great. She did a wonderful job yeah. of trying to support me, but she had to support herself as well. Yeah. So, I would go about halfway through a course and I'd have to drop out to work because rent was behind or bills Jeez. were behind. So, you know, that, that didn't help me sort of with my confidence level because like, I'm sitting here trying to upskill and better myself so I can then yeah. provide for yeah. yourself or others if you're yeah, so inclined exactly you know it was it's difficult <laughs> um so coming into uni as a mature age student mm. i'm like 15 minutes ahead for every class and i'll be the last to leave if i have to and yeah i will take the, the lecturer's time of day and ask them every question i can to get all the information i can and you know what it, it's it's resulted in some pretty great things for me so like yeah. Second year, Dr. Daniel Maddock is a uh, cinematographer. Yep. He's one of the first in Australia to actually get his doctorate in cinematography. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Great guy. He's like yeah. super young, but has like, I think a fourth kid on the way. It's Jeez. Crazy. Yeah.
1: He's uh Yeah, he's pushing through life. Good on him. That's, yeah, that's yeah. He's loving it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, he's he's my mentor now and I'm actually working for the university under him in the offices office of advancement learning and teaching. Hmm. And we'll be creating content for situations like this in the you know, in this awkward phase of study with the pandemic going on where we will yep. actually go and film educational videos for, say, medical or engineering. So they can see it online. So they can actually watch it. That's awesome. Exactly. I yeah. mean there's nothing worse than trying to study, let's say mechanical engineering but looking at a book yeah just pictures yeah what (laughs) yeah like for me i'm a kinesthetic learner i have to physically do it to learn it if i look at a book it's just a bunch of words jumbled up it's like (laughs) this
1: means nothing
0: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly
1: (laughs) yeah because i was i think i think actually the episode before this i interview a mature age student who has graduated now oh no he's i get he's doing his um i can't remember what it's called but i think he's doing honors. He is doing on this, and um, and he's a mature mature age student too. Mm. And, and I think the thing that he noticed the most was was almost breaking the rules. The ability to kind of do what you want to do mm. while still maintaining within the rules of the institution, kind of thing.
0: Look, I've definitely bent some rules. Yeah, um, you know, we're told not to do stuff by certain people. Yeah, so we kind of just go well we'll go buy our own equipment and do it anyway.
1: Oh, okay. You're just like, okay, well, I mean, I want to do this, so you're yeah. not going to stop me kind of thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, like it's, that's the thing is we have um, someone who we can go get gear off and, you know, it's hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of year. Like we're yeah. talking really high-end gear. Mm. Jeez. But, you know, you're required to do a lot of time with persons who to do training to be able to then get the equipment out.
1: So you can do it safely. Or
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, we were told, you know, you don't, drive in a car and film well that's what we did in our first year um <laughs> nice we first you year. know we we drove out to a forest in stanthorpe great great national forest and yeah like it's pine trees everywhere it's beautiful yeah so we well, we got got in the back of a 4 drive and uh Yeah. Slapped the tripod in and kind of shut the door and made sure I was secure and started filming while we were driving. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, was it janky? Yes. Did we get the shot we wanted? Yes. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. No, that's awesome. I think, yeah, I think there's something to that. So, do you think you, like, uni feels necessary for you now? Like, do you think you would not have been able to acquire these skills without
0: university? Definitely. Like, don't get me wrong, you've got amazing, amazing directors out there that say film scores are farce. Yeah. But then you've got others saying, well look, if you know nothing about the industry, film score is the greatest thing you could do. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like for me, coming from medical yeah. and, you know, like not knowing anything about the film world apart from I know they use cameras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, I guess that's perfect. Yeah. Like it was it's an absolutely perfect transition. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've met a lot of great people through film school. I've wanted to go to things that are you know like screen queensland does uh their their monthly meetings or used to do their monthly meetings where it would just be <laughs> a bunch of content creators editors directors cinematographers, photographers producers they'll just get together have a coffee and you mingle and you just meet cool. people from the industry and um you know like i've met and i'm good friends with screen queensland's warehouse manager yeah Derek hall um you know he's worked for hulu and stan and yeah. You know, now he's he's one of the big like studio managers oh, yeah. for Screen Queensland. And you know, he's a he's a great dude. Yeah. yeah. Um and that wouldn't have happened if, if I didn't go to film school.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: And I think it's also helped that like film school itself, your lecturers are very supportive. Mm. Like, at least for me, I know that I've never yeah. felt unsupported by Stuart, Leone, Dan. Like yep. these these three lecturers. I've never felt unsupported at all. Yeah. And I could go to them with any issue, any question. It doesn't even have to be film related.
1: Nice. So they're, and they're sort of mentors. In that yeah. One.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, like it's it's great to, like, for our our final project, we're, you know, we're doing a film, mm. and, um, whether it's a feature length or, a, you know, a short 20, 30 minute, like a short form. Yeah it doesn't really matter because we're working with them as partners, not as student and lecturers. Uh, so it's a bit more of a, like you're on the same level. It's respect. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. exactly. And we have like this, this wonderful mutual respect for each other now Yeah, where I'm camera a for the camera team for this film. And you know, the director of photography is Stuart, our yeah. lecturer and I report direct to, directly to him and you know, we, we mesh so well. Yeah. Um, so it's great. I, I think, look, if you don't know anything about the industry, definitely worth going to film school. It's definitely worth putting in the three years, the context you get, even just getting the bachelor's degree. Like yep. I've, I've now through film school worked for uh, doing live streaming for the basketball for the Twombly Mountaineers. Cool. I've also worked with doing the uh, live stream of horse racing. Yep. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't agree with horse racing. Yep. It is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but. But. When you have to pay bills, you have to pay bills. Well, that's
1: that's another interesting question. Do you feel, at, at this level, do you feel it's necessary to kind of just take any job you can get, even if you don't necessarily agree with it? I
0: think at the moment, yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm a fairly avid animal rights activist. Yep. Um, and I do not agree with any form of sort of animal exploitation for money. Mm. Um, for me, I... Had to lie to myself and said it's just camera work. We're filming the people, not the horses. That was a big lie. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> everyone's would have been a there lot. for the horses. Yeah, let's of face course. it. Yeah, but you know, it, it's something that I I needed mm-hmm. to to sort of just get by, pay bills, buy gear for myself. myself. Um, you know, like I've made contacts. I'm working on a feature film with a couple of friends. Brisbane directors cool. oh, and wow. friends. Nice. Um, That's cool. Yeah, like like one of them's she's so Sarah Dinsey, She's won a couple of awards for her scripts and she's done some feature films before. Um it's actually good friends with the people from Dawson's Creek. Oh yeah. Like a lot of the main actors. That's cool. Um it's
1: yeah, it's that's almost interconnected in a way. I think you definitely going to f- to school at this at this age, mm. you can definitely deem a lot more respect and a lot more um, oh, definitely. understanding from a lot of people. Definitely. Um do you do you have any idea of what you're gonna do after uni? Like do you yeah, i see that's one goal, or a ten-year plan, or any of those sort of stuff.
0: Um, yes and yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, uh, so I like I do have a goal, and obviously it's to work within the film industry. Yep. So Australia, if available. So the problem is Australia's film industry is just on a sort of a steady decline, and we're trying to push out content. Yeah, which like we're definitely trying. Mm. Um, it's just a lot, a lot more difficult, and. You know, there's there's a big sort of argument, you know, is Netflix killing Australian, like the Australian industry? Um, Look, that's tough. Yeah. Like we, like my sister and I did a documentary called Australia For Your Consideration, where we actually explored, you know, the Australian film industry, where it's heading, what about video on demand, what it's doing to the industry. And like, to be honest, I think that as artists and creators, we should shift our way of thinking we shouldn't be stuck in a way yeah so if video on demand like streaming services like netflix and hulu amazon prime are saying give us your content i think we should start looking at that as a way to do that because if our government isn't going to support us in making you know the art that they want us to make but they won't pay us for it yeah um then we've got to look at these bigger companies and corporations to be able to help produce the content. Yeah, the
1: transnational kind of ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe we just need to lean more into them. Because I, I know there there are a fair few films filmed in Australia, but I don't know yeah. if they're always with Australian actors and with um Australian directors.
0: Um, yeah, and and that's that's definitely like right on the money. There are so many films actually shot in Australia. Mm. And, you know, they'll get their recognition at the end, you know, thanks to Screen Australia, Screen yeah. whatever it's, territory or state you're in. Yeah. But it's not really well known, which is a bit of a shame because I would love to see more Australian content put out considering Australia was the first country ever to produce a feature film. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was the Kelly Gang. Okay. Like, oh, back in that makes sense. Back in the early, early 1900s. Oh, wow. Um, And then it was kind of like, like I'm pretty sure it was world war one maybe mm. not quite sure when. Somewhere they, around, yeah, yeah somewhere around there i have to do my research but yeah we you know we produced the first feature film mm. um but hollywood shut off yeah, um, and, and, and so. yeah and because you know australia wasn't as largely established as you know the us and they don't
1: have the number we don't have the numbers either. oh not nearly not yeah nearly. what are we
0: like 27 million to 350 million yeah like, something something like that it's crazy yeah
1: so yeah, so you definitely want to be the industry in some capacity. Yeah, yeah.
0: So like for me, I I know straight off the bat I'm never going to be a cinematographer straight away. And I think that's like the the realization that is a little bit harsh to some people. You know, they'll they'll come out of film school being like, I directed three films and you know, you'll go to work on a large scale production and they'll be like, Cool, you can be a production assistant, go get us coffee.
1: Yeah, it's like cheers, thank you intern. Um,
0: and that's kind of where the the mature age student comes out as well It's like it's because yeah. you have to be humble about this you know like mm. sure you've directed a few short films doesn't mean you're all that doesn't yeah. mean you know like doesn't mean that you know everything yeah. there's always going to be someone that knows more than you and you can always learn from them so yeah. it's definitely worth That's the way to look going from yeah. the bottom and working your way up into wherever you want to go yeah like don't get me wrong if you have a story to tell and you want to be a director you can tell it you'll find a way to tell it yeah, I suppose, um,
1: it, and it, I guess it just depends on how big you want to be. Like people's yeah. aspirations seem to to aim right for the Steven Spielberg's and the yeah, no,
0: exactly. Like yeah, I don't know. Like I could only aspire to be, you know, someone like Conrad Hall or mm. you know, like the great cinematographers of their time. Um, yeah, but that's that's a long term goal. Yeah. You can't do that straight off the bat. Yeah, you know? and I think
1: that's a that's a definitely a good way to look at it. So, um, do you think you'll stay here in Australia now that you've made all these connections, or do you feel some
0: kind of need to go over to America or well, England? I think the great thing about film or just the arts industry in general is you can kind of go anywhere in the world, and as long as you know what you're actually doing and what you're talking about, not spurting it out. Yeah, you you know you, everyone will know what you're doing, and okay. it's like. Ideally I want to go to Canada work for, you know, a company like the CW. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not huge, but they have amazing locations and you know, they do amazing shoots and mm. great shows and they they pump out so much stuff, but you know, it's it's they've got a community behind them that is just overwhelmingly positive about the content they produce and like that that's the kind of area I want to, want to be in, you know.
1: So it's it's kind of humble aspirations, but you kind of, you know, it's not even humble. You know what you want Hmm. and you just want to feel almost driven for the art, community orientated. Yeah. You're not aiming for that big, I want to be the Hollywood director that makes bajillions of
0: dollars. Yeah. No, look, everyone would love to be Michael Bay, you know. Of course. You would love to have your own custom cameras and, you know, work with supermodels all the time and, you know, just for the kicks. Yeah. Um. But no, no. That's, <laughs> but let's that's, be real. Yeah, let, let's be real about this. It takes time, and you know you've got to have connections. You've got to have the right eye, and you know the the right mind for it.
1: Feels like a lot of luck sometimes too. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Right place, right time.
0: Yeah, so much. Like, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, what what is it about being a a cinematographer that that you like? What like draws you to it? What's what gives you like you watch it back once it's fully edited and done and color correct? What what when you watch it back, you go, "That was cool, hell yeah!" Like
0: the way I look at it is like, especially when you see stuff from like, have you seen *Road to Perdition*? No, okay, Tom Hanks movie. Okay, the cinematographer was Conrad Hall, mm. incredible. He died not too long after um, *Road to Perdition*, okay. and there's this extremely famous scene, like extremely famous scene. Sort of, it's called the shootout, and there's this incredible sort of artistry that Conrad Hall's managed to create, where it's a man getting revenge on these mobsters, essentially. Okay. Um, and you know, sounds simple, yeah. (laughs) But the way it was shot, the the very meticulous way that the actors were blocked in the scene and the following shots, it was insanely beautiful and okay. i definitely recommend watching the movie just for that scene see? but yeah it's 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 this kind of way that when you look at a frame it should look like a painting to me jeez like the way i see like there are certain shots um that should just look like a picture it should look like a painting you know it's art okay um it's kind of cool and it kind of none of that came to me before film school okay. which is weird right You yeah. know, like the way I feel about it you'd think I'd have this lifelong session but <laughs> it's um it's kind of this thing where like when I had with uh Daniel one of my mentors when he when he started talking about it and seeing his passion and then reading like he's actually been published in, in a cinematography book mm. and reading you know this this 8000 word piece on the entry to saving private ryan jesus yeah jesus the on the cinematography of it yeah um and reading it understanding it and then just being with him on set when he you know on, on random sets working for stuff for the uni yeah and seeing the way light catches and creates a feeling an emotion you know mm. like it it's it's kind of funny like we 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 kind of take it for granted a lot of times where we're just like, yeah, oh, yeah, just throw a light on. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you see it so much in first year. Oh yeah. I'll just throw a light on them. Yeah. 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 They've got light. We can see them in the camera. They look at it more of a, Oh, we should, you know, have this light going because the camera setting needs this amount of light to be able to capture the image, right? Whereas you've changed your perspective now. And it's like, no, we can light them in a way that makes them look... Yeah, so yeah. Like you, the, you, know, you can look so many different ways with one single light, you know? That's cool. Happy, sad, you know, angry. Yeah. You know, like there's so many different emotions that you can actually just pack in mm. with just changing one light. And yep. once, I, once that snapped for me, once I realized... It's changed everything for me.
1: All oh, right, okay. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is this is cool. I yeah. will to do this. Like,
0: this is like the artistry yep. out in film. Yeah, which I don't want to sound pompous about it, <laughs> um, which really sucks because when I say it like that, I sound pompous a little bit. <laughs> but
1: I think I think there's room for for people in the in the arts industry to call what they do art and mm. and that kind of stuff. I think there is a, a tendency to try and hide it in Australia. Yeah, and especially in the filmmaking stuff. Oh yeah, no, we're just we're making a film because it's gonna get us money. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people see it kind of differently.
0: Yeah, especially yeah. you do. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, you get people who who are like, I want to make film because film make money. Um, <laughs> film make money. Very very simplistic way of looking at it, and it's like that's that's cool. That's great. I get that. When I want to make a film, it's I want to tell a story. I don't look at it as this is going to make me lots of more money, you know? Like, I want to... Like, for me, I'm very human experience with, yeah. with what I with what I write and what I do. Yeah. So, you know, I look for the human experience, you know, how it affects them, how it affects others, what it would be like to view that human experience as, a, like, very intimately, but mm. without being there kind of thing. Yeah. And for me, that's just... That's the story, like, the stories I would kind of want to tell. But, you know, okay. sometimes human experience isn't everyone so you end up getting you know a lot of really heavy action movies and you know they're they're always the top sellers
1: yeah well of course they're just easy aren't they yeah yeah heart pumping and like exactly pretty colors yeah exactly (laughs)
0: they get they get explosions in pretty colors and you know they get the thrill of it yeah um and you know a lot of people like that i like action movies i like basically everything except for romance um (laughs) rom-coms are really hard for me yeah yeah but, you know, it's it's just what it is, yeah.
1: Welcome to this episode's mid-roll. So, I wanted to keep this one short in awareness of this episode's length. I'm really trying to keep them to one-hour sessions. You know, consistency is nice. Uh, so... Just an update on my life. Feeling pretty exhausted as the semester comes to a close. Um, I've been feeling pretty good about my acting work though. I've been pumping out a theatrical monologue and a screen test about every week or so, which has been really interesting in terms of which characters I have similarities with and with ones that I find easier to portray. I've been watching all the national theatre productions as well, Uh, they've been putting them up online. If you're interested in theatre at all, I definitely recommend watching them. So another shout out for this week, and honestly I should have done it ages ago, so that's my bad. I actually didn't create the logos, and I also don't put those logos on the cover pictures of each episode, bit of a confession. Um, I have my friends do them for me. Uh, her name's Jess, and she has been so helpful because apparently I'm technologically illiterate, so she's helped me through with all that stuff. Um, she's a graphic designer, and she's been making some pretty cool things during this lockdown period. You should go check her Instagram out at Kidberry. That's K-I-D-B-U-R-Y. Jesus, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Anyway... A very big thanks to Jess for helping me with the logo and the cover art. So that'll do us for this episode's mid-roll. And there's still 30 minutes of this episode left, so plenty of information to absorb. Catch you at the end, guys. See ya. I guess a follow-up question to that is what what is there what is there to gain for you out of filmmaking like you you were at this stage in your life where you could kind of choose everything but a, like because you've done so much stuff you're hmm. like ah, oh, i mean filmmaking seems cool i guess i'll do that and then you learn things and now you're where you are now but yeah what what is there to gain for you out of out of
0: this this industry so for me like i was very uh a very like solitary person i stuck to my own a lot don't me wrong i had my friends but everything i did was on my own for me yeah and now looking at it like i've got this community that i know and i think for me being a part of this this community is is what's driving it you know like i know um you know actors that live down in new south wales i know actors that live in adelaide i know yep. directors and producers in brisbane you know it's and I don't have to see them every day, but, you know, when I do see them or I even just send them a message, you know, it's great. We have this 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 incredible response, you know, it's not mm. just a, oh, hey, man. It's like, hey, how you going? What are you doing? You know, like, how's all this, That's you know, cool. what's your last project, you know, how's this project coming? Yeah. And we're always talking about what we can do for each other, you know, like, um, you asked me earlier, you know, do I consider body piercing as a, as a, a form of art? Yeah. Um, you know, like, I know a few people in the body modification industry that do like body suspension and stuff like that, you know, through people, hang them up. Yeah. Sounds very diabolic and sort of butchery. Yeah. But there's, you know, like I know people who, uh, like one of my, one of my great friends, Kyla, she's actually studying a podcast and she was the first piercer in Australia to be uh, approved by the, um, it's the Australasian piercing something. Yeah. (laughs) The APP. (laughs) And she's actually starting up a similar podcast system, except she's filming it. Oh, okay. Um, And talking about, you know, uh, body piercing in, the, in Australia and the industry itself and as a whole. And, yeah. you know, it's it's great because she contacts me and says, hey, look, I need help, you know, with, you know, like, I want to film it. So yeah. what, what do you recommend and all this stuff? And just little things like that, that, you know, like, you don't realize that everything you watch on TV has a film crew behind it. Yeah, true. Um, even if it's an animation, you still have an animation crew behind it. Yep. Um, and so many people don't realize that. You know, like, we get these, we get people that are cutting, like, funding to the ABC, and, yeah, I could tell you so much about it. Um, I mean, you're welcome to, but, like, yeah, that's that's just the general gist.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of that stuff just seems to, it seems to be just a lack of funding. Yeah. From, from an outside perspective, when you're not in the arts community, yeah, from the outside perspective, it just seems like we're, wasting time and things on, and on it's a bunch of like
0: oh 100 percent. But when
1: you're in it it's it, it is community community orientated yeah like, it like is.
0: you yeah. you look at it like like a, a, a minimal size like documentary crew is like three to five people yep you know it's a small community
1: it's, <laughs> i mean you're not allowed to hang out in those sort of groups anymore, oh definitely so. not you know it's um
0: <laughs> yeah which you know it, it's a, it, it's a struggle definitely now you know trying to create content not being able to be close to people yeah um but you know, it it is what it is. We we'll find ways around it. I you think know, we we're creative. <laughs> yeah, well, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think look, community for me, I love the community, and there's nothing I'd rather be doing.
1: That's um, that's a pretty honest answer, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look, to be honest, like, yeah,
1: that's um, no, that's great because now that you've pointed out the community aspect of it, really. It really is kind of like that, isn't it? And for the most part, everyone in it is trying to help each other.
0: Yeah, and look, and that's it. the The key key term there is, for the most part, look, we yeah. do have people who are very like solitude filmmakers. Like I do everything myself. Uh, there's you know there's one in Toowoomba that I've recently actually worked for doing you know being a DOP on. Yeah. Um. And my sister did special effects makeup and. The crew, like the 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 actors, love them. They're incredible. Yeah. Like we've we've invited them from Byron, and they'll come up for a party and stuff like that. Like Jeez. they they like we just have like this incredible community. Yeah. Um. But the director, oh boy, he was not interested. No. Well, that's the thing. It's like you know, you you go to the movie premiere, and then all of a sudden, I made this film by myself. I don't need crews. I don't need funding. He had like $5,000 funding or something like that. Oh yeah. It was he very very toxic, you know, like I do everything myself. Oh. When in reality, you know, my sister and I had spent almost $2,000 on that film of oh, our own personal money. Jesus. Um you know, that special effects makeup and fuel and All you know Yeah, and you know equipment as well, you know, like we bought our own equipment for that. Really? yeah he ended up replacing his previous d o p with me, who was a, at the time a second year film student oh yeah who ended up producing better shots and stuff oh. like that than the d o p that had gone through his three years of film school graduated interesting, yeah it was kind of like um yeah like almost stark when you can see the 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 difference between the two things, but that's that's almost like sort of the, the two different the difference between artists, you know, like some artists will have a certain way of looking at things while others have another way of looking at things. And look, kudos to that dude. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. I'm sure he'll go somewhere. And yeah, I think I think that's really what it is, isn't it? I I did want to
1: ask because I don't know why is filming things so expensive why is why, is, why does it get so it's expensive it's crazy so right yeah
0: like it is stupid expensive
1: I I don't know why I didn't I don't study film so I just don't know why yeah
0: so science science okay yeah so science of technology so like <laughs> when we're talking about cameras you know we're looking at like for example I've got the Blackmagic Pocket 4K yeah tiny little camera micro four third sensor it costs around it was around $2,000 when I got it. So, you get photography cameras that are a lot more expensive, yeah. that do less, but you get, a, you get photography cameras that are a lot cheaper, that do more, pretty similar stuff, sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. And it comes down to the science. So, for me, I know the, science, the color science of the um, sensor on Black magics. Yeah. I know what color they tend to shift towards. Okay. And how to then work with it um, in post to color correct.
1: Wow. wow okay so that's a lot of exterior knowledge yeah and just me make the film good and it light well yeah exactly like. <laughs> exactly
0: and you, you're looking at color temperature and you're like Geez. we we go in color temperature we're in kelvin you know yeah, we, you know sure. degrees yeah so you've got to know sort of your kelvin from zero to up to ten thousand ten thousand yeah. is like blue light, or white yeah light. yeah so it's like you've got to you've got to know that and then you've got to know the science of the camera yeah and you know all your basic settings once you know the settings, every camera is basically the same oh okay right, um, but then from there, it's just the science of the camera's development, yeah. So you go from Blackmagic, which is, you know, they're fairly humble Australian-made cameras. Oh, cool. So all, all come out of, I'm pretty sure, Victoria, yep. which is great. that They are actively supporting the Australian film industry by creating Australian that is pretty good cameras. Right. And then and, you decide buying them support Yeah, them. and, like, you look at the movie um, with Viggo Mortensen, the, the Green Book, um, that was filmed on Blackmagic cameras. Oh, right. Um, you know, it, it's I mean, three boards, no, three billboards out of Ebbing. Having Missouri, yeah, 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 filmed on Black Magic. Wow, really? Yeah, but then you get cameras like Arri's or Ari, depending on how you want to sort of pronounce it. That you know they've got their larger format sensors. So I go from a Micro Four Thirds, which is a tiny little sensor, yeah, to you know, there's 35 mil sensors, which is you know, replicant of 35 mil film. To so, you know, you get, yeah. you get your larger film sensors, so you get your 64 mil, and then you can get even bigger ones. But they, we're talking like IMAX, yeah. And you know when we talk about IMAX cameras, we're looking at around $200,000, 300,000. Jesus, um,
1: so is it the cameras that make it expensive? I guess I mean, also well, bit, yeah. part of it, part
0: okay. of it. So cameras, and, you know, you're looking at props. You know, if you look at nineteen seventeen, Sean oh. Mendes' most recent film, yeah. Roger Deakins, cinematographer, look incredible, dude. Roger Deakins yeah. was a painter and a photographer. That's cool. And kind of makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It makes sense. You know, yeah. he you know, artistry is kind of his thing. And then someone, you know, one of his friends was like, Oh, do you want to shoot a film? And he's like, I don't know how. And he's like, That's okay. You're an we'll artist. Make it work. <laughs> we'll, we'll work with it. <laughs> and, That's you know, awesome. he, he's one of the most renowned cinematographers of our day. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, you look at, Like, you look at the cameras, you look at the crew members, so, you know, Roger Deacon, he'd be expensive to hire. Super expensive. But, you know, you get what you want. Your your. Your money's worth. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And then, you know, you look at props. 1917 was insane. The planning and the detail that went into making... Yeah. So, making a movie look like an entire one-shot was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, there's a scene where, you know, one of the characters is going through a ruined city. Yeah. And there's a giant church on fire. Yeah. That church was actually a, I think it was like a 90-foot tower of 100,000 lights. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Like, the rigging that would have had to go on for that was insane. Power boards, man. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Like, how do you even power that? I have no idea. And, you know, like, they built that entire ruined city. They built all the trenches. Jesus. You know, and that alone—that's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Set to... Yeah, and then locations. Yeah, and then you look at transporting. You know, it, it's all these little things, and like, okay. I, like I, I applaud producers for for coming up with the money. They have like, yeah. they go from just like, oh, I have forty thousand sitting in a bank account. I'll put that in. Yeah. To then use that to. Get interest from a distributor, and then the distributor goes, "Yeah, cool, we'll put in this nudge." And then they go, "Oh, I know someone who's interested." And then they kind of go from one person, and or you know, a team of producers and executive producers, and they kind of just fan out and say, "Everyone, give us money. We'll give you money back for it." I swear.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, because I was always interested in that. Why it's so expensive? Because like, so let's say for for you guys at Mm -hmm. your your third year level. How would you film your first feature film if you don't have... Like, what's the necessities for filming your first feature
0: film? Um, so, I definitely think locations. Yeah. You've got to have your locations. If you can get them free, better. Yeah. If you just offer them, you know, free airtime and say, yeah, this is where we shot, yeah. perfect. You're looking at equipment. So, camera, lights, sound, yeah. your basics. You can have no sound if you want to make a silent film. You can sure. have no camera if you want to make a radio show. Yeah but you have to have both if you want to make a film. <laughs>
1: yeah, unfortunately. That's um, just the way it goes. Yeah,
0: exactly. You can shoot without light, but you have to do pretty much all daytime and you've got to work off reflecting what light sources you have. Yeah, right. Um, we're kind of always told, like, if you don't have access to a light, grab a torch and a reflector yep. and try and work with it. <laughs> okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, Went on a budget, man. Yeah, and then, you know, if you're hiring the crew, you gotta look at the cost of you know what they cost. Yeah. Um there are Australian standards for crew rates. That's good. If you're working for smaller industry style stuff, then you definitely get those rates. If you work for indie filmmakers, you'll probably get paid after if the film it's usually makes how money. It works. Yeah. Like if it makes money, that's that's the big one. Yeah. Um yeah. and, you know, sometimes directors are the producers as well, so you kind of just like they they approach you and say, "Hey, I'm making a film. Do you want to be in it? Do you want to you know be on the camera crew?" And you're like, "Yep." Yeah. And they go, "What's your rate?" And you go, "This." And you're like, "Cool. I'll pay you after we've made money." And you go, mm, "I don't know, man." <laughs> yeah. So
1: it's, it's tossing up whether, like, oh, am I going to do this and actually make no money or?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, you know, like that that sort of happens. And then you know, for the for the feature film, you know, yeah. So like I was saying, actors, cameras, location, you know, other equipment. Uh, you're looking at catering so food
1: yeah i didn't ex- realize that was such an expensive thing. yeah yeah like...
0: so you're looking at crafty and you know yeah. which is you know sort of everything mm. like you know you're looking at hair and makeup looking at special effects and yeah, that's just driving. the yeah. that's just the onset stuff then you gotta think about editing editing oh, stuff yeah. so some editing programs will offer subscriptions right perfect you, yeah like premiere yeah awesome you know, we get a student subscription to it. It's fairly cheap. I think it's like twenty dollars a month or use something it while like that. You got it or something. Yeah, exactly. Use yeah. it while you can. Because I bought my own camera, it actually comes with a five hundred dollar editing suite program, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because now I have a professional grade editing program. Mm. Uh, I just need to upgrade my computer so I can use it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so that's
0: yeah, yeah. So the feature film we're looking at shooting for mm-hmm. third year, mm-hmm. uh, Ghost Train, we're looking at around ninety minutes, so ninety pages. So it could be between ninety minutes, sort of eighty minutes, yeah. depending on where. We're looking at a budget of around forty thousand for that. Jesus. Um, and that's fifteen crew members, uh, eight cast members, three locations.
1: And that's forty. That's forty k.
0: Yeah, and that that's shooting over ten days.
1: So. Have you ever heard of like a credit card movie, like a credit card film?
0: 100%, 100%.
1: Yeah. So, would you ever take a risk like that, you think, moving into the industry? Would you ever go, hey, I want to do this so bad?
0: Um, Only if it's Amex. No. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, it's, it's interesting. If you have um, a quality amount of producers and you have a quality company that you're working with, like a production company that you're working with, credit card films are okay. Um, okay. because they will have redundancies in place to be able to and plans in place to be able to pay that off if you don't make the money back. Cool. As an indie filmmaker, I would never do that. Yeah. Um, that is way too large of a risk because I know for a fact that I'm never hoping to make money. Um I can enter it into film contests or whatever. I'm never aiming to make money with my films yet. Right, I see. Um, for me it's getting recognition from my community. Oh. Um, and putting myself out there. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult because you do want to be like, I want a $10,000 loan to make my film. Yeah. But if you stuff that up, you're, you're in debt That's going to be a good
1: time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think another podcast I was listening to, actually, they, this guy blew about 90K on his movie. Yeah, wow. But it ended up being okay. But it's just I was like, imagine if that went bad. Yeah. That no. would have gone catastrophic.
0: Exactly. So like, it's just this big risk. For me, I have a, I don't like money. <laughs> like I'm more of a, I would rather barter my services for something. Okay. Yeah. Um, True trading, man. Yeah. True like tradie. proper trade rather yeah. than uh, currency because, you know, like I went through like this stint of depression, which I'm still suffering from now because like, I was like, I need money. I need to pay bills. I need to <laughs> just continue. whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up taking this job as a debt collector. And, like, that's soul-destroying, man. Like, sitting with a group of people in a small cubicle office, about four of us, I think it was, with one boss overlooking us, we're attached to a law firm. And I started off collecting debts for Avon. So people who were selling Avon but weren't giving the money to Avon. Oh, no. So I was like, okay, that's fine. That's something small. They've entered a a contract. They have an obligation to pay it off. Apparently, I was good at that. So they bumped me up to houses and cars. Now, cars are one thing. Okay, okay, cool. I can repo a car. I can repo a motorbike. They, we had search engines that you wouldn't believe that yeah. could track people through metadata, tracking from where they were, previously were, tracking their phone numbers to where they would be. Just insane. Like it was. It was. It was nutty. Like Jesus. Absolutely nutty. So we'd be like, okay, well, we're going to repo your car. We get confirmation that we re- repo the car. A couple of couple of days later and then probably like a month after that you see another name pop up and you recognize it and you look at it you've repoed their car the yeah. order the order is now for their house so you've taken their car so they can't get to work they've lost their job now you're taking oh, no. their house jesus and like it's it's devastating man like if you're if you have any form of empathy like most humans do unlike the people i worked with yeah <laughs> You think this is bad, this is wrong, yeah. you know, and it it gets you if you let it get to you, that's it, like depressive spiral for years now, you know I still still suffer with it, but film is helping me become myself, and being able to talk about it now, yeah. like being able to openly have a conversation with someone about it, you know it's it's one of the great things about film, i suppose <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that's.
1: Yeah, you've been very honest, man. That's uh that's crazy. So you have you done a bit of like editing? Oh yeah. yeah. So what just a just a quick rundown is like colour correcting. I just I don't Yeah. I don't so, understand that.
0: <laughs> and I can tell you that a lot of film students don't understand it either. Okay, right. So you've got colour correction and then you've got colorizing. Yep. So colour correction is say for example we're on set I've got a five six Kelvin light shining on on person. I know my sensor yep. is best rigged for five for three six. Okay. So when the five six light comes in on the three six sensor, the person kind of comes out looking a little bit weird. Oh right. Like they'll have a tinge of like their colour tone will just be sort of just off. A little off. Yeah. So with color correction we go through and we can adjust the great thing about Blackmagic is they have their own editing um suite that they've designed for their cameras so they know so. So and they've got this own codec for the camera called Blackmagic RAW. So I can actually change the color like the color temperature on the digital content before even putting yeah. it into the sort of into an editing sort of phase. Yeah. Um so I can match it perfectly for those lights that were there. Yeah, okay. Um but yeah, it's this it's kind of weird. Like it goes into this big science of codex, and you're looking at the CRI of lights, and mm. you know you look at the quality of lights. Because you know, sometimes when you film lights, they're strobe. Yeah, and you're sitting there like, why is it doing that? Okay. So different light sciences. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, it sounds like it takes a lot to
1: know that kind of stuff. Really.
0: Look, it's a lot of self education as well. Yeah. Once you sort of get into that field where you want to be, and you know that, you start to sort of delve into it you do a deep dive and you right. start doing a lot of self-research and you know you start looking at films known for their cinematography or known for their sound design yep you know and you start paying a lot of attention look at a quiet place yep let's let's make a film about noise yeah or lack of it's, it's pretty crazy cool. It's a pretty cool film. it's a great film i love yeah. it um i don't know how they're gonna do a sequel like
1: yeah the second one's yeah, I
0: generally feel like sequels to a movie that is like that should be it.
1: Yeah, especially it was so stylistic. It was so like, oh, that's a good piece. Yeah, I think people just liked it so much that they're like,
0: okay. well, especially because you look at uh, John, you know, creator, director, writer, actor. Imagine that, right? Yeah. Imagine creating something like yeah. writing something and go, okay, I'm going to act in it. Oh, uh, no! Director has my vision. I'm going to direct it. it as well. You know, like, it's crazy. And then going to a sound design team. So, you're looking at Foley Sound. And, you know, these are people who, like, (laughs) they're great people. Yeah. A little bit kooky. Great. Absolutely great. You know, you grab a bunch of celery and snap it in front of a microphone. When you listen to that, it sounds like bones breaking. Yeah, that sounds crazy, too. Yeah. So, you've got the the films, like, a choir players that are, like, heavily into sound design. Mm. And you've you've got other films... That are heavily into editing, you know, and it's it's kind of each to their own. Like, it depends on what the vision is for the film. And
1: there is a big variety, isn't there? Yeah, and the uh, and I
0: love it because like that shows like and you can really pick out who are the true artists in the film community. Yeah, compared to people who are just mimicking. Mm. And you know, like a lot of time, like don't get me wrong, mimicry is flattery. Yeah, but you've got to be true to yourself, yeah. and it's really hard to be true to yourself if you don't know yourself. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and, you know, you, you get that a lot with film students. So many film students are like, I want to be the next Michael Bay. I want to be the next Tarantino. I know uh, I know one, Conor Grawl, worked with him. He's great when he knows exactly what he's doing and he has his sort of, his hands on all the buttons but when someone has the control of it, he struggles a little bit. Okay. Look, he's going to be a great grindhouse director. He loves his grindhouse stories. He loves the blood, the gore, the obscenity yeah. of Grindhouse. That's cool. So, once he finds truly where he is, he's going to take off.
1: Yeah, right, but he's just...
0: He's, he's almost there. Okay. Um, you know, he uses a lot of Tarantino for his inspiration. Yep. Yeah. Cause Tarantino does great Grindhouse. Mm. Let's yeah. face it, like, when it comes to his violence, he does not shy away. Oh, yeah, Jesus. And that's what Connor's looking for. Connor has this, this great sort of depth and knowledge of Grindhouse that there's no other way he's going to work on anything else but Grindhouse.
1: And I think taking, like, inspiration at this
0: level is probably for the best, almost. Yeah, look, if you look at it this way, everyone in the film greats is still standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, we're always going to be standing on the shoulders of giants. And that's what we should be aiming towards, is we should always be looking to push the next person up. You know, like, we had this sort of really awkward phase from, like, the late nineties to the like mid two thousand, like sorry early two thousand ten, yeah. where you have all the same actors, yeah, in all the same films doing all the same roles. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's interesting. Isn't <laughs> like
0: it? you, you always see that, like, there's like this trope that they stick to, and they always typecast them for that. Yeah. Um, and then you see all the same. Like you look at you look at any action film from the nineties, and they're always looking the same. Yeah, they always have the same style, look, or feel to it. And that's because they're all trying to be the next Spielberg. They're not trying to be the next, you know, know, like they're trying to be the next big thing, but they're just working off each other. Um, So, you know, we're we're really starting to see people, like directors, stick out. Mm, Which is good. Yeah. And they have a style that they've been working on and they've just been continuously producing the same style throughout that whole time. And, you know, they've got the most recognition because they have their own style that they've developed from, you know, from, from taking inspiration.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm happy to ask you the last question now. Okay, yeah. Um, I ask this of everyone. If, I do. Huh, well, I do. You do? <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, so if, if like, sitting in your position now, what... <laughs> you said I do. <laughs> if you're sitting in this position now, what advice would you give your younger self?
0: Mm, that's a tough one. Look, knowing me, I didn't listen to anyone. But if I could, I would say make the exact same mistakes. (laughs) Okay. Because I wouldn't be who I am without making those mistakes. And don't get me wrong. Through the the mental health issues, the heartache, the, the hurt, everything. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I was today. And I'd be someone else completely different. And I know that wouldn't be me. So, if I was talking to you know, me 10 years ago, make those mistakes. Okay, um, so you're
1: proud of who you are now.
0: Yeah, look, I, I'm not going to shy away from, you know, my past. You know, it, it's, I don't think anyone should. There's there's something about running away from who you were to who you are now that it sort of changes someone. If mm. you, you know, if you face that and you accept that and you understand that, you come out a completely different person but you come out better for it Yeah, because then you know who you are and what you want to be and what you want to do and you know where your true loyalties are and you know you you become you rather than a repressed shell so
1: yeah that's interesting i like that answer yeah i mean uh, that's actually a little bit different from what i've had from everyone else so that's that's cool man (laughs) it's very you (laughs) um so yeah thank you for doing this this is uh awesome i can't wait to um (laughs) to Sit on this and edit it for six hours straight. Mm,
0: I'm I'm, keen for you to listen to me for six hours straight. Yeah, I'm I'm very much (laughs) looking
1: forward to it too. Um, Yeah, thanks very much. That's alright. And so the episode comes to a close. I know I'm sad too. Or maybe you're not sad because an hour is a lot. (laughs) Uh, As usual, it was a pleasure to speak to Scott and get another's view on this industry here in Australia. I think he shifted my thoughts on to not only what a camera can do, but what lighting that that camera is picking up can do and what all that lovely stuff means. Also, the idea of having custom cameras made for your shoot being upwards of 100 grand is insane to me. That's a lot of money to throw around. I found Scott's motivations towards going into the arts quite comforting. The fact that it's based around community and all. I'd hope there are a lot more artists out there that feel the same way. Kinda makes the idea of becoming an artist a little less daunting, knowing that we are all here wanting to make things together so the next episode episode 9 I get to interview the one person extravaganza that is Danny Cabs I got to learn about a lot of the fringe festivals which was cool and I also got to discuss Danny's passion to make people move and groove and get out of their bodies a little bit so until then keep making art and being spectacular